Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, but let's start with yesterday, which saw Dr. Gabriel Scali publish his final report into the survival check controversy and the poignancy of its publication a little over a week after the death of campaigner Vicky Phelan was lost on no one. To discuss the findings, I'm joined from the 221 Plus group by Stephen Teep, who was one of the co-founders. Good morning to you, Stephen. Hi, Patricia. Good morning to you. You're very welcome. Was yesterday very emotional for everyone in your group, uh, Stephen, particularly with thoughts of Vicky very much on your mind? Yeah, uh, for sure. Vicky uh, was on the, the forefront of our mind all day yesterday. And I suppose we even made reference to Vicky in the press conference because normally on a day like uh, yesterday, uh, she would have headed this up. Um, we would have had a couple of updates from Gabriel Scali in the past, uh, where, as well, where Vicky would have been in Dublin but getting treatment. But we would always been on the phone to her. We would have always reviewed these updates together, taken out the bits that we found to be important to keep pushing. And her absence yesterday was certainly noted. And um, yeah, it definitely, I suppose, heightened the emotion for yesterday for sure. Were you, were, were you given a copy of the report in advance of yesterday? We got one, yeah. It was sent out to us yesterday before uh, Dr. Gabriel's uh, update. So we got a chance to read that yesterday morning and review it and go through it as quickly as possible. Um, so, yeah, we got a, a, a small bit of time, all right. To okay. Now, I remember it was back in 2018 that Dr. Scanny made, I think it was 50-odd uh, recommenda- recommendations for change. So obviously this report is looking at those recommendations. And uh, has there been substantial progress on most of them? Yeah, look what happened with 50 recommendations increased to 150 and oh. 170, I think, in total by, by the end of it all. Uh, but what was very positive yesterday, like if you remember, Lorraine Walsh and I have been sitting on committees and um, been supported by Vicky, of course, um, over the last four and a half years, uh, pushing through, getting all of these um, recommendations put in place. And yesterday, it was great to see uh, Dr. Gabriel Scali's review where he was saying substantial progress has been achieved. And um, and in his words, the cervical check programme has improved substantially. Like we've been told for, for, for a while now that the, the, the updates or the, the recommendations have been implemented, but it, we really needed Dr. Gabriel Scali's eyes over it. So to hear those words yesterday, after such a long time of campaigning to have those recommendations put in place, uh, was very welcome news. And for him then to go on and say, 
um, screening programme is substantially better today than it was in 2018. And bear in mind, in 2018, he doomed the system to fail. So it was a system doomed to fail, is how he described it. So we certainly are in a much better place today than we were back in 2018. What part of the report has still, are you still concerned about? Yeah, I suppose to keep everything balanced, we need the negatives as well as the positives. And there were certainly two issues that were highlighted yesterday. Uh, one, of course, is probably you've heard us speak about already, particularly since Nikki's passing, and it was uh, an item on the top of her agenda, and that was the patient safety bill. Mm-hmm. And the issues around that was the mandatory open disclosure piece which, of course, was, um, uh, I suppose, one of the, the main issues in the cervical check tobacco and the way uh, women were treated um, within the HSD on the back of that. Uh, this is something that has been uh, being worked on since 2019. It's been worked on now since Leo Radker was last Taoiseach. Leo Radker sits in the Taoiseach's office next month and it hasn't moved anywhere or gone anywhere and is still being worked on. Uh, it's just gathering dust at this stage and Dr Gabriel Scali highlighted the importance of it again but also the lack of work that's been done on it and this is the piece now that we really need to get moving with. Um, the second piece then, Patricia, uh, was around, um, I suppose, the, a minor few medical professionals within the HSC's inability to address the failures of the past and he made a if I may read a line out, Patricia. Please um, do. In it, he said, it is reprehensible to claim that in the past, cervical check was as good as any other screening programme in the world. If you can't bring yourself to acknowledge past failing, why would anyone trust you today? And given the heightened level of the trust that was eroded at the beginning of this debacle, it's all about, um, I suppose, trust has to begin again. And right now it has to begin with the medical professionals. And unfortunately, they're still not acknowledging what happened in the past. And I suppose almost, I suppose, propping up this culture of denial within our healthcare system that is really now at this stage having knock-on effects, even having knock-on effects to the women in um, in the 221 Well, I I have to say, my my jaw nearly hit the floor uh, when I, I, I saw your group speak and I heard about the the number of women who have had who have had cervical cancer and who are part of your group and some and I'm assuming I'm hoping only a very small number, but some of them, the doors are being closed to them if they admit that they're part of your group. Consultants Absolutely. don't don't want to see or hear from them. I know it's, we obviously I've obviously known about this for a while and I'm sure here, like you said, you heard it was jaw dropping for sure. Uh, I don't know, Trish, did you get a chance to see if you the uh, Vicky's documentary last night on RTE. I did, I but, did. And, can, uh, and I have to say, firstly, thank you to you. I saw it being advertised and thought it was just a, like a tribute to Vicky, similar to what uh, Virgin Media had uh, done. And obviously oh, yeah. it was on at half ten last night, which would be past my, my bedtime with work <laughs> in the morning. But then I saw you uh, on social media say, no, it was the one that was in the cinema. So yeah. I recorded it and I got up at five o'clock this morning to watch it. And oh, I'm wow. telling you, Perfect. it is incredible and I've mentioned it already this morning when I was teeing yeah. up the programme for anyone who hasn't seen it it's on the player it's it's incredible it is just She's incredible uh, and to hear her words and her voice throughout it's, it's incredible uh, the reason I mentioned that um, not to plug it of course but the uh, there was a piece in that if you remember when you were watching it this morning Dr Gabriel Scali standing up in 2018 
uh, when he was delivering this um, his his um, the Scali report, the very first yeah. one. And he stood up and he was talking about the way women were spoken to in the disclosure process yeah. and the mistreatment of women. And he quoted um, one woman who was there as her daughter passed away and the consultant said to her, um, nuns don't get cervical cancer. Um, oh. If you remember that from the documentary last yeah, night. What we saw yesterday with Dr. Gabriel Scali talking about women being refused who were a part of the support group is nothing more than a continuation of that treatment. Some consultants, like it's not many we're talking about, a very minority are all are screening women, asking them if they are part of the 221 plus support group. And if they find out that they are, they refuse to see them. That's the issue here. It's happened to a number of women. And that's what Dr. Gabriel Scali was raising yesterday. That's in, a, in conjunction with what I had raised earlier about um, that piece that I read out about the it's reprehensible to claim that cervical check was uh, as good as any other screening program and medical professionals' inability to address the failings of uh, the past combined with that is the, the reason why women who were already failed are continued to be failed. And in 2022, um, if you refuse to see one woman or offer her medical treatment or care, then it's an absolute disgrace. It, it shouldn't and, happen. And, and they should be called out. I mean, Absolutely. Gabriel Scali said in his, his report that one woman told him, uh, I quote, I've been treated like a leper after doctors insisted on uh, finding out if I was a member of the 221 plus group when considering if they take me on as, as a patient. Those people should be just absolutely um, called out. And the other thing really that really brought it home to me in, in the documentary, uh, Stephen, was how it was... All of this happened in order to save money. It was yeah. it was selling off the screening, the screening program to whoever was would would, would do it for, for the cheapest amount. And that's a fact because that's what was in Dr. Gabriel Scali's um, original report. If you look at the procurement piece in it, it was sold. It was sold uh, in a package and given to these labs for the cheapest price with the lowest quality assurance attached to it. In some cases, there was no quality assurance attached to it. And that's what it was. It was sold for cheap. And that's why it went overseas. That's why everything was shut down in Ireland in relation to it. That's why we've been campaigning to bring it home. Uh, obviously, with you can't monitors abroad. This is why when you send, sell off something for cheap, the HTC was aware that at the time the, that they were only dealing with six labs. But behind the scenes, they were dealing with 16 that they didn't even know about, you know. So an additional 10, and that's what's wrong. Like, so the women's health care was sold for very, very cheap. And then yes, you, you hear terrible stories about Vicky passing away. You have to listen to the widowers like myself talk about their wives as a result of um, this neglect in women's health care in Ireland. It's shocking. So yeah. uh, when do you expect screening to be fully up and running at the Coombe Hospital? The HSC are saying the end of the year. Okay. I find that difficult um, because they only recently were saying how difficult it was to staff, get staffing uh, for the Coombe. Dr. Gabriel Scali referenced this here also. And if they are opening it at the end of the year, so the question is, how open is it actually going to be? Um, so I think it's years away. They even say it themselves, years away before screening will be fully operational back in Ireland. And that's, that's a result of having to train staff again and find them because they did such a fantastic job back in 2008 of getting rid of them all finding it difficult now to bring them back, you know, so, uh, but it will happen someday, I'm sure, but it's going to be a slow process. 
Okay, and finally, because I'm watching the clock, as I know you're, you're backed up with interviews, what what now for the two two one plus group? I, I, I take it you're not just going to fade away into the background. Oh God, I don't think you'll ever <laughs> silence us, Patricia. Um, we have a lot of members we still have to take care of. Like you know, like that woman you referenced. The the I feel like a leper. Like we're talking about. Like every single one woman here has been harmed in some shape or form. They have to have a support group to, to, to care for them. Um, you, we, when you look at the tribunal, I suppose the botch census of the tribunal, there's 379 cases before the High Court um, of women who are mainly trying just to get to the truth of what happened. They all need support. And of course, pushing Vicky's agenda. We'll never forget her. Um, her agenda is our agenda, always has been. And getting this patient safety bill is to protect people from what happened to us not happening to them. That's key and will be around for a very long time making sure that's in place and in place correctly. Okay, a number of people watched the documentary last night, including one person saying it was a brilliant documentary last night. Well done to Vicky, Lorraine and uh, to Stephen and particularly well done to you, uh, Stephen. I, I, I thought your piece on it was was, was exceptional. And uh, what struck me this morning when I was watching it was your Irene would be so, so proud of you and proud of you as a dad and how you're raising your little boys. But uh, what you're doing for the other women in her memory is is terrific. So that listen, I, 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 I'll let you go and we'll, we'll talk again, no doubt. Thanks a million, Stephen. God Thanks, bless. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is the wonderful, fantastic uh, Stephen Teep. He's just a terrific, terrific man and what he is doing for women in Ireland. Uh, let us not forget that. As I, say, as I say, that documentary, Vicky, that we referenced there, you can get it on the player on RTE. It was shown last night. As I say, Donna, it was just a little bit tad too late uh, for me. I'm well in bed by that time. As I mentioned today, is Thanksgiving Day, the last Thursday in uh, November. Somebody's pointed out that it's also Student Christmas Day in the city and students are already out early today celebrating their traditional Student Christmas Day. So if you see large gangs of uh, young people uh, looking very festive, they're celebrating their Students Christmas Day. The Everyman's favourite traditional family panto is returning this year. We've got Cinderella starting from Saturday week, the 3rd of December and to celebrate the Everyman have teamed up with the Leisureplex to give you a fun festive family day out. Um, every day this week we are giving away a family pass for four people to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday the 8th of, of December and the fun doesn't stop there because you'll also receive a family pass for four for bowling at the Leisureplex. See Everyman Cork no, everymancork.com if you'd like more details as we've been doing all this week later on in the programme I'll give you details of a clue to where Cinderella has left her glass slipper today it will be a well known Cork location if you work out where the Cork location is we will then ask you to text it in along with your name and address and you'll be in with a chance of winning that super super prize uh, today so yes we are doing that all over again today 0818103103 and thank you to Martin one of our listeners in the UK emailing from Southampton this morning with something that certainly I wasn't aware of and maybe other listeners are not aware of this uh, either uh, Martin writes in his email morning Patricia um, I'm not sure if you've mentioned this but in case you haven't it might be helpful to advise your listeners of serious disruption to postal services in the UK this is going to affect anyone posting Christmas items to the UK based family relatives or friends etc. Postal workers are on strike today 
the 24th. Yeah, that's uh, this morning. Our, OK, postal workers are on strike today, uh, two days next week and in all 19 days before Christmas, including going on strike on the 23rd and 24th. That's if all of the threatened strikes take place. So uh, Martin writes, Any, everyone is encouraged to send UK items as soon as possible, please, as there really now will be no guarantee that they will arrive in time for Christmas. And yeah, there, and always in the lead up to Christmas, postal workers everywhere, all over the world are always extremely busy and we're always encouraging people to post in plenty of time. But you add into that postal stoppages and strike days there will be a huge backlog now and even the fact of today postal workers going on strike you can imagine the backlog of post from today going into tomorrow and across the weekend and into next week and then if they're continuing uh, with uh, another strike tomorrow and two more the following week and continuing that right up to Christmas it will be bedlam so if you have loved ones living in England and you want to get your items to them in time I will be working on that ASAP and thank you to Martin for giving us that information and good to have you listening to us uh, online and I want to wish the best of luck to Dr David Heffernan who has a book launch tonight now Dr David Heffernan is actually son of Joe Heffernan who joins us every Monday and David is launching a book tonight in the Canturk Library the book is The Early Modern Duhalo 1534 to 1641. It's the crisis, decline and fall of Irish uh, lordship. The book is about Duhalo, how it was transformed into the early modern period from a region dominated by several Irish lordships like the Macdonoughs and the McAuliffes. And then how it was taken over by the English landlords by the mid 17th century. In the process, the social and economic landscape of the region was absolutely transformed. It's only a small, thin uh, little book, but well worth a read. if you're into history and you live in the Duhallow area, I think this will be a must for you. So the book launch is on tonight, seven o'clock in the Canturk Library. It's open to all. And then the book will go on general sale in lots of local shops priced at just 10 uh, euros. So best of luck to Dr. David Heffernan launching his history book on Duhallow this evening. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of Mac- McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Andy by Texas. Morning, Patricia. Just listening to your interview there with Stephen Teep of the 221 Plus uh, group. And to hear him say women are being refused treatment for being a member of that group. Those consultants who are refusing to treat for that reason alone should be struck off the medical register straight away. Kind regards, says uh, Andy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's absolutely disgusting that that could actually happen and to actually hear Dr. David David Scally uh, call it out as well and uh, Dr. David Scally spoke to one woman who said that she felt like a leper uh, when she was quizzed as to was she a member of the 221 group which then identifies her as somebody who uh, was caught up in the survival check controversy and for that reason uh, suddenly there wasn't any appointments available. Shocking, shocking it, yeah, they, should, it, they should be named and shamed and, and struck off the uh, medical re- register. Where's their ethics? 0818 Now we spoke this week with Cove mother Antoinette who is currently fundraising to take her 16 year old daughter to Poland. This is for life changing surgery because no one will do the operation here in Ireland. But what happens if your family is faced with no options because no one is willing to provide a service for a young adult with severe complex needs? Uh, Teresa O'Donovan lives in Wilton and she joins me this morning to share her uh, story. Good morning to you Teresa. 
Good morning, Patricia. I'm very well, and, and you're very welcome uh, to, to the programme. And, and thank you for sharing this, because I think this is a story that needs to be shared, because I have a funny feeling that you and your family are not on your own with what you are going through. So I suppose, can you start and just tell me a little bit about your son, Keen and his current needs? OK, well... Keen is 22 and I suppose he was diagnosed when he was three years old with um, ASD and ID. Um, it's been a very long road from the age of three up to the age of 22. His needs would be considered very complex in nature. Um, he has huge behaviours with challenge. Um, he has anxiety difficulties. He has mood disorder. Artistic preoccupations that take up his whole day, which to you and I looking would look like significant OCD. Um, his needs are huge and we are getting absolutely no support from his service provider at present, even though they are be f- being funded by the HSC for his care. I don't believe my family is the only family going through this and I would love if other families could ring in and share their story. OK, so where did Keen attend school? Um, well, he he's always been... Uh, am, I, am I allowed to say the service provider? Yeah, yeah, I think okay. so, yeah. Yeah, it's no problem. He's, he's always been with the Brothers Charity. Okay. Since uh, three years of age, since three and a half years of age. He's gone through the ranks, through children's services, um, right up to when he entered adult services in 2019. Now, I have to say, you know, children's services and adult services are poles apart. In children's service, you have a wraparound support network from the whole school team and the multi-D team. But when your child enters adult services, it's like people did warn me, but I don't think I was at all prepared, even from the warning, of how much you're unsupported in children in adult services. It's actually like somebody marches you up to the edge of a cliff and kicks you off and says, find your own way now. Yeah, it's a very different world uh, and so many parents will, will say that. And, and that transition then for the young person from this wraparound service, the transition from adult services, children's services to adult services can be a very difficult one for a and, lot of young and, people. And, you know, it's not as if their needs are disappearing. If anything, their needs are growing more every day. Uh, their families are getting older. Um, they're not able to provide the same level of care as they used to. So, you know, we are absolutely worn out. I know I might seem like I'm speaking very strongly to you and Patricia today, but I am on my knees. My husband is on his knees. We just can't continue. Like, we understand and we've been told by the HSC that there is no residential placement that will suit his needs in Ireland. They're not prepared to put the funding into him or other individuals like him that have these high complex needs. It's it's basically like the Ireland of old, out of sight, out of mind. It's like these but but, don't but, exist. But, but hang on now, you're not looking for residential at no, the moment. Well, not. not at the moment anyway. You're not. No. no. And we've told them this. You're looking for a day service where Kean would... Yeah either get collected or you would drop him someplace and then you would collect him in the afternoon and, and he would come home. But it would mean that that period during the day, you, you would have some kind of a break, but he would also would be stimulated and you would hope that that would alleviate some of the challenges. Yeah, well, he's funded 91 hours, fortunately, for his care by the service provider, the Brothers of Charity. Um, they are not providing that service. 
he entered adult placement in 2019. They offered him 12 hours initially for a few months, then they offered him 16 hours for a year. Um, then they worked their way up to 24 hours going back in uh, May 21. And they said they travel to our house and back from the Lota campus every day, which is 10 kilometres. It takes 18 minutes in the car and they're taking a one hour, 25 minutes out of his funding every day for travel to bring up his hours to say they're covering the hours, but they're actually giving nothing. Now, we've asked for his bank of hours where they have gone. We've asked for his bank of hours since 2019 where they're gone. We've asked for his bank of hours where they're going to go in the future and they're not prepared to answer us. And what, what are they saying? Are they saying that they can't provide a service? They're hiding behind recruitment issues. They're hiding behind recruitment issues. They, I, I believe they do this to a lot of families. How are we supposed to prove whether somebody's been, they're finding it hard to recruit or not? Well, I know uh, nearly all of the disability services have an issue uh, with recruitment. This, but, but this is going, but, Patricia, this is going on since 2019. But, 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 but what I can't understand is that Keane seems to have no service at all. No, he has none. He's at home. Um, his significant behaviour is a challenge. OK, t- 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 talk to me about what a typical day is like for Keane. Keane spends most of his day in his bedroom. He used to, when he had a service, when it was operational, he would get up and go out with staff. But now he's locking himself in his room. Um, he's very, very angry in himself, extremely angry because he has no stimulation. He had a routine with them, I suppose, completely different than what he has with us. Now, he's, he, we have a behavioural support team that's linking in with us. It's a completely different organisation. And they've just taken over his care. They're from Cope Foundation, on Cohen, they're called. Now, they're very good, they're very experienced, they're very professional. And they've come and they've observed them in the house. And because of his artistic preoccupations and his rituals and routines every day, he actually can't function until gone two o'clock, three o'clock every day. Um, it's, it's awful to see. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see him struggling the way he struggles. And, and do, you, do you reckon he's regressing? Oh, one. 100% regressing. He's so angry in himself. We've had the emergency services here. Um, the guards have told us they have no training. They don't know what to do with him. All they can do really when he's this upset, self-harming himself, is to handcuff him. The child Hang on, why, why, why did you have to call the guards? He's harming himself so much. And he's physically lashing out at us because he's regression so, regressing so much. And, when and, the, and, and, and and obviously the guards don't have the, tra- the training to calm him. No, and they're lovely people, but they've said to us they don't have the training. No, we asked the HSC yesterday, we stormed the building. We didn't storm the building, it was a bit dramatic. We went in without an appointment to the Blackpool offices yesterday, disability services. And we asked the funding to be stopped to the Brothers of Charity because they are not providing a service. And we were told it's not that easy, that cannot be done. Why? If, the, if that funding was put in place for Keane, it's put in place for Keane. We asked the Brothers of Charity at a previous meeting where his funding was going if the Bank of Hours weren't saved. And they told us there's an administration cost, etc. that funding needs to go towards. But if there's a bank of money for Keane, why but can't... They're telling, us, yeah, they're telling us the bank is gone, the Bank of Hours, they can't 
they can't inform us where his bank of hours has gone. Is there any have you is there any other service that you think could help Kean? We've asked Kean, we've asked the disability services to they they would call it sending out to tender um to send his name to three different organizations um to see if they can provide care. Um, as far as I know from yesterday's conversation, they haven't got back to the HSC. Has, per, has a personalised budget been mentioned to you? Uh, the personalised budget was mentioned to us, but they wanted us to source that, make up our own plans. Um, they wanted us basically yeah, this, to yeah. become an employer. And yeah. I can tell you now, Patricia, yeah. I can barely function without I know, I know, I know. I mean, personalised budgets can work, but the amount of work that goes in to so get them to operate. They wanted me to take over their work. You know, take over what they should be doing and what they should be providing. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been forgotten about. He's, they're failing him in his duty of care. He's just forgotten in society. He's so vulnerable. His needs were... The HSC are aware since 2019 and 2020, twice they were informed that his needs were unmet by the HSC. And I asked the HSC disability manager yesterday, um, what are they going to do to meet his needs? And he said, no comment. He said, he said no comment. No comment. I mean, I know and it has been said to me that Keen is one of the most complex children in the Munster area. But that's not that's not Keen's fault, and it's not your no. fault. No, I mean, we we we've cried buckets. We're, we're on our knees. We have no help. We have no support except for my sixty-four-year-old sister, who who drives from a crew every day up to see him and be with him and give him some sort of support. And we try to go out as a family. Are you a, are you able to take Keen out? Could could you go out say for Sunday lunch somewhere and and and? We can, we can. We've, I've worked with, I don't know if you've ever heard of an organisation called TRASNA and their behavioural support strategist. And I, I've done every training under the sun. They were on these books for 11 years to plan outings, plan events, plan anything that was coming up. It can be done. Yeah. We've, we've taken them to Spain. We've taken them to London. You name it, we've taken them. He, we do it. But that comes at a price. We're, at, we're, we're doing the job of others. We're doing, taking him out, like, we take him anywhere he goes, anywhere he wants to go. We love him to the moon and back the way any other parent would. But we can't carry on with no service. Yeah, like, I've contacted yeah. Anne Rabbit yeah. in September, and it's such a coincidence, she only contacted me back yesterday after I went to the HSC offices. And said what? Uh, looking for my address that I already sent in September. So, she, she, she so what, they're, what they're actually doing is they know his needs are so great. Yeah. They're not prepared. They're prepared to take the funding. They're prepared not to bank those hours. I don't know where they're going. They're certainly not going to my son. But in they're the in the meantime, Kean is struggling, and and you certainly, you certainly are are are, are struggling, and something has to has to be done about it. Uh, and yeah. and and you you want to be his mother, not his not his carer, not his psychotherapist. That's where, that's where the lines have blurred over the years. I've done so much. I've gone to every meeting that was called. And believe me, there's thousands of meetings I've attended. I've gone to every training that could possibly be provided. I'm after forgetting how to be his mother. I'm like a therapist. I have to think outside the box at all times. And, you know, 
if the brothers of charity are saying they're hiding behind recruitment issues to not provide a service, then there's a multi-D team behind him. Why are none of them linking in to provide support to him? There's a psychologist. There's a speech and language therapist. They don't want to be involved with somebody so complex. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's well, so, I, I it's just so destroying. But, yeah. but I, I, what about it? Have you tried an advocate? Have you tried the advocacy See, service? I'll tell you what happened with the advocate, and she's a lovely lady, and I've been speaking to her, um, because we brought this issue to Anne Rabbit. Yeah. And um, because we took consultation from a solicitor in relation to what the brothers of charity are doing to us, the National Advocacy Agency. Can't. won't become involved if there's anything political or legal. Ah, okay, um, so that, that hasn't worked. And, and, and when, when, you, when you talk uh, um, about, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, the, I'm just trying to think of the, how, how bad you must get that you had to call the guards. When, when he has meltdowns, yeah. are, they, are they frightening? Are they, are they really scary? They are. Are they? And they're a hundred times worse since he's, since he's getting no service. There's no, there's no, you see, his routine ceased, however small it was. However small his routine was with, with staff and Brother Charlie, it ceased. Um, and that routine, because of his preoccupations and his routines and rituals, he, ha- he has nothing to fill that void. And he's, we, he's under the care of the Cork mental health team. And... You know, I've been saying for years, I think the medication he's on is having a paradoxical effect on his behaviour. In the fact, I suppose, if you speak to a lot of parents with children with autism, the medication that you and I can take and would have an effect somehow has a different effect on these children. They're so sensitive that it nearly has the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you give sedation instead of it sedating you, you'd nearly be climbing the walls, yeah. having to be held down. Yeah. So, they eventually, I brought a, an independent person with me, a therapist, to the last uh, mental health review and they actually listened for once and said, right, well, and I videotaped Key and have a mental sound and I showed them to the psychiatrist and he said, well, I, I actually believe maybe he's having a paradoxic effect we're going to try a different medication. And obviously at 22, I take it he's a fine, big, strapping young man, is he? I'm barely five foot um, and he's about five foot ten and he's 12 stone. Strong man, strong young, strong strong young man. Very strong. And when when they lash out and they don't mean to lash out, but you see the they they can hurt you. You know, as much as he lashes out, he's very much of the mind of a three or four year old. So he thinks if he hurts you, if he kisses you better, it's all forgotten. No, no, it's a toddler. It's a toddler. That's what a toddler does. All right. Okay. Listen, you've um. You had that meeting with the HSE. Am I hearing, do they contact you today and they're offering you something or what's that um, about? Well, what they actually done was, Patricia, just, I told them I was coming on air this morning and they refused to give a comment yesterday and they just sent a text to say the Brothers of Charity will offer a service next week. But what's the service? Uh, and I asked, I answered back through text, which I thought was very rude. Um, what service are you giving? And there's no reply. Okay, and there's only one other person who I think might be able to uh, to to offer some advice and help, and that's um, Deputy Michael Moynihan. He's the chair we, of we the Iraq Dismatters. 
Yeah, okay. We'll, and and, and uh, we, we'll get on to uh, Michael. We've uh, we, Michael has been on our programme many, many occasions, but certainly in the past, he's helped with other um, families. No, I don't think I've ever come across a, a case as extreme as what you, uh, Teresa, are, are going through, your husband and, and it's Keen. It's also, like, I mean, we've been told by the HSE and the Brothers of Charity to drop Keen at the door of the CUH hospital and walk away. It's the only way he'll get a service. Now, what mother and father can do that to if somebody so vulnerable who doesn't understand what's happening? Who told you to do that? Uh, the, the service provider told us my to do God. that. Our psychologist told us to do my it. God, everybody, my everybody God. Everybody in the multi-D team told us to do it. They said it's the only way a service will kick in because the HSC has to take over. Okay, listen, we're going to stay in contact uh, with you, uh, Teresa, and and I appreciate you sharing sharing your story because it's not an easy story uh, to share, but Keen is uh, lucky to have he you as a man. Better, he yeah, does, he, he does. And, and you and your husband deserve better mm-hmm. as well. But if there's okay. anybody out there that can advise us, that helps us. Okay. Us. Hang in there. We'll keep in contact. Thank Thanks you, a million. Richard. God bless. Thank God bless. Work today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Somebody said that poor woman, uh, Keane's mother. Uh, shame on the government. It sounds like we've gone back to the 70s. Shame on the sale service providers shame on everyone that they are not providing Keen with the service he needs and Dan said it's heartbreaking to listen to your contributions this morning Patricia on the programme regarding the care or lack thereof for those who need it most as taxpayers we give 23 billion euro to this organisation i.e. the HSE where's all the money going it most definitely isn't reaching patient facing services kind regards and that's from uh, Dan. Keep your calls and comments uh, coming. You can text your WhatsApp to 0862103103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A huge outpouring of support for Teresa. And uh, people saying, well done for Teresa sharing her story. We need to hear these stories because so much of that type of caring is done behind closed doors and people aren't aware of what's going on in so many families. And I think Teresa's right. And I did say it at the start. I don't believe Teresa and her little family are the only family who are struggling like this. There are many, many others who are caring uh, and there's a lot of challenging behaviour going on. And it's just not seen and it's like out of sight, out of mind. As somebody said, it's kind reminiscent of the the dark days of the 70s when we locked people away there's that sense of feeling Uh, but what the difference now is it's families trying to cope on their own I mean lots of people saying it's scandalous to hear Teresa tell her story somebody else is absolutely shocked by what that woman has had to say today so upsetting to hear and everybody making the same uh, point that that little Cork family uh, need so much help and support and the help and support has got to be found sooner rather than later because Teresa herself that's why she's reached out to us it's taken a lot and it does take a lot for somebody to go public and share their uh, story but sh- she feels that herself and her husband are a breaking point if they don't get the help for Keen. and at the centre of it all is their worry and concern for their gorgeous 22 year old son who is regressing day by day in front of their eyes and uh, Anne says I thought I heard it all with the, the Vicky Phelan story
Rory and all of the other women involved. But now listening to Teresa on your programme talking about her son and what they are going through. It's absolutely scandalous altogether. Surely there's something that the HSE can do. There's too much office and computer work and admin staff instead of hands on proper work dealing with those poor helpless people who through no fault of their own were born with these uh, conditions and that is uh, from Anne who also on the Vicky Phelan watched the Vicky Phelan documentary uh, last night and says what a wonderful person she was she did wonderful work for the women of Ireland Uh, the people who were responsible should be fired without pensions all of those that were involved in the survival check uh, scandal at the end of the day and calls it out as murder and she said they only got a slap on the wrist uh, for it. That is from, um, as I say, we are going to follow up with um, Teresa. We are getting on to the HSC, even though I can nearly tell you what they'll come back and say that they won't comment on individual cases. And also we're going to actually send a copy of the interview that I just did there with uh, Teresa and the other emails and bits that uh, notes that we've taken on her case. And we're going to send them on to Deputy Michael Moynihan because Michael is the chair of the Disability Matters Aroctus uh, Committee. And maybe through somehow there something can be done but like rather than it people talking about it and holding meetings about it it's a service it's an absolute service that needs to be put in place for Keen. Um, and as Teresa said she's forgotten how to be a mother I thought that was a really sad statement that she made she's not looking you know when the HSC are saying oh there isn't a, a residential unit anywhere in the country that could cope with Keen's challenging behaviour and that in itself is such a statement to make that they're saying we have not got the specialities to deal with your son yet they're expecting Teresa and her husband to deal with their son at home you know I mean there's something very ironic in that particular statement but she said she's forgotten how to be a mother and then to have somebody say to her what you need to do is drop him at the door at CUH and just drive off and leave him there and of course then if if she basically saying abandon your child no mother is going to do that absolutely no mother is, and she's, so she's not looking for residential she's just looking for help she's looking for some service to be put in place uh, for Keem so Monday to Friday service and he'd come home in the, in the evening as, as he would have done when he would have come out of school and if he gets the service and he's stimulated uh, properly and experts who are trained in the field can help him give him the coping skills that he needs that will make family life and home life so much more easier and then Teresa and her husband can continue doing what they've been doing the wonderful care and the parenting that they've been doing of uh, Keen, but at the, she's just a breaking point, as I said. That's hence the reason that she reached uh, out to us. But anyway, listen, we will keep on top and, uh, of this, and, and we will update you if we get any updates at all. But thank you to a lot of people who are definitely showing uh, support, and others saying they will keep Teresa and her family in their thoughts and prayers. So thank you, That's, uh, that, and I know that will all mean a lot to Teresa as well. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Patricia, I heard you earlier say that today is the official Christmas student day out in the city. The young students are already gathering in Cork waiting for the pubs to open. This texter is saying, are they the same students that can't afford meals or accommodation and the students that we keep uh, hearing about? Well, there'll always be students, won't there, who will have mammies and daddies that would be able to look after them, but don't, don't take away from students who struggle as well because they're on the other side of the fence. There are, are students who are literally living hand to mouth. Can anybody help out Donal in Mallow? He's got I don't know if I've ever read this out as a request before. It's a bit of an unusual one. He's looking for a full size mannequin that maybe a shop is no longer using 
or maybe a clothes shop has recently closed down and they've got mannequins left with no homes to go to. And then, of course, we asked Donal and Anna, why are you looking for a full-size mannequin? He's an admirer of the old Mill Street pipe band, band uniform and has managed to get his hands on an old Mill Street pipe band uniform. And he wants to put the uniform onto the mannequin to showcase the uniform. And, and obviously it'll keep it a much better nick, nick if it's hanging up and properly displayed on the body of a mannequin. So, as I say, it's an unusual request. If anybody can help us with that or, or, or at least tell Donal where he, where he might be able to lay his hands on a full-size mannequin, the ones you'd see in the shop window... I, I take it a male one because are they they're male and female mannequins are they are they are they all unisex I don't know oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three if anyone can help us with that and a story actually that caught my attention this morning on the news and I think this is a real good news story and this is the Gardaí arresting the six people in total have been arrested it's part of an international investigation into a website which have been enabling fraudsters to make phone calls from trusted numbers and obviously then they go on to commit cybercrime. The website is something called ispoof.cc. Now, that website was taken down earlier this month and it's believed to be used by at least 21,000 fraudsters, not just here in this country. This is fraudsters who would have been used worldwide. So the Gardaí were part of an investigation that involved law enforcement agencies in America, in the UK, as far away as Australia, also in Canada, and police forces from across uh, Europe. Fraudsters paid to gain access to this particular website. And then, of course, once they did, they then could, it it allowed them to automate phone calls and send text messages which appeared to come from trusted and recognised numbers such as your bank or the HSE or even it looks like it's coming from Angarda Siakana and the ones from the HSE will come through on a thread where you would have got genuine texts from the HSE and that's how one of our listeners got cut out a couple of weeks ago and ended up with €2,000 less out of their uh, bank account. Because what happens is if people press on the number or on a link, they're then drawn into the fraud and that's where their personal information can be gathered and then the money can be stolen. In the 12 months up to August of this year, around 10 million fraudulent calls were made from just this one particular website and it's estimated victims worldwide, wait for this, lost 115 million euro. You see, if they make 10 million calls, all they need is a tiny percentage of the number of fraudulent calls and texts. They just need a, need a tiny, tiny percentage of the people to get duped for them to make their uh, money. So the Gardaí here, they searched 17 locations, Kildare, Meath and Dublin, and six people have now been uh, arrested. They've also identified 64 suspected accounts. They've seized 132 phones, tablets, uh, computers and other electronic uh, device. So that's a good news story. We just need to see more and more of those fraudsters caught, shut them down and then we need to throw the book at them. We need to be jailed. They absolutely need to be jailed. And actually I was reading in the papers today because when we hear about these and we're always here on the programme trying to give people as much information that we can about these various scams just to draw attention to it, make people aware of them uh, so that people won't get caught themselves. And there's always this kind of a, a thinking, oh, it's going to be older people are going to get caught out with a lot of these scams. Well, it seems it's not because there is a research conducted by Permanent TSB Bank, which is showing younger people 
are more likely to fall victim to that type of financial fraud than older people are. Three quarters of people have experienced an attempted financial fraud, which is a big, big worry. And a quarter of them, 27 percent, actually admitted to falling victim. People are more likely to experience fraud attempts seeking to take less than 500 euro rather than very large amounts. You know, people often think that all every every single red cent they have in their bank is going to be taken from them. It isn't in the main. It's smaller figures, but it's 500 euro of your hard earned cash and nobody wants to lose that. And this research is saying that contrary to popular belief, older people are less likely than younger people to fall victim to financial fraud. The over 45 age group make up 52% of the population, but only account for 37% of the victims. And then the over 65s, that they make up 18% of our population, only 11% of them fe- fell victim. So the majority were in the people under the age of uh, 45. And for some reason, we can take a bit of comfort from this, financial fraud is more likely to be experienced by people living in Dublin than anywhere else. They don't give any explanation for that. It also says that older people are twice as likely as young people to regularly check their bank accounts, do it at least once a week, and that guards against, obviously, fraudulent uh, transactions. Permanent TSB said there is a clear message in their research that financial fraud is a significant threat and that it's often been targeted at groups that may think they're less vulnerable. So awareness of financial fraud is also strong, but scams are getting more sophisticated, so we need to continue continue to be on our guard. The research shows a pattern to financial fraud that may surprise people. Reassuringly, they're seeing people are responding to the advice to be vigilant. Two thirds say they would not trust an unsolicited call, text or uh, email even if it came what appeared to be from a well-known brand and over 8 out of 10 agree that their bank would never ever send a text message asking them to click on a, a link. So the message is starting to get through to more and more people and the most common types of financial fraud are phishing which is that's where you get a phone call or a voice message. Smishing is where you get a text message and then phishing is where you get a, a, an email. So the call and the voice message, a phone call and a voice message, the most common and so just be mindful every time you answer your phone or you are responding to a text message or to an email. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862103103. And Michael says, hi, Patricia, just to let you know and make people aware that that COVID text scam, so we're talking about scams, that COVID text scam is on the go again. I got one last night and it came on my HSC thread and that was the one that caught out our other listener who lost the 2000 euro. Well spotted, uh, Michael. C103 Jobs. With the new Charleville Nursing Home. Find their current available positions at molumhealthcare.com forward slash careers. Van drivers are wanted for deliveries Monday to Friday from Mallow to the Munster and South Leinster area. CVs please to Douglas at uh, acravet.ie. Ward personnel are looking for all types of carpenters 021 233 9120. O'Callaghan Toyota in Kentucky looking for a qualified motor technician 029 50035. And Dairy Gold Corp stores, they're recruiting retail sales assistants for Mallow for Moy, Carrigaline Middleton, and Raheem. And they also have a vacancy for a manager and an assistant manager for Carrigaline and Butterfant. You can apply online to www 
dairygold.ie forward slash career or call Ashley at 087-1898447. You'll find all the job details and more opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. A series of books on mental health for young adults with the aim of encouraging people to read current material on various themes related to modern life that's grounded in experience has just published the sixth volume out of what would be a seven book series. Chris Sherlock, who wrote a previous chapter in volume four on how he was bullied at school has now contributed a further piece for volume six and this time he outlines how music was one of his coping mechanisms and I'm delighted to say Chris Sherlock once again joins me. Good morning to you Chris. Good morning Patricia, thanks for having me well, back. Well you're, you're, you're very welcome and I suppose for those who didn't hear us chat uh, last time, can you just outline how the the bullying at secondary school, how it affected your life? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, from the get-go, it was the transition from primary to secondary school. It was the first week I experienced verbal bullying starting secondary school. It was first year, you know, new building, new teachers, new subjects to get used to. And I was just finding my feet. I was a bit of a shy kid as well. And I think that's what the bullies were keeping an eye out for, for all the newbies that were shy or whatever. And uh, yeah, it just got worse because I didn't say nothing. I kept, you know, ignoring them as best as I could and just hoping that they'd get bored and eventually move on. But sadly, that wasn't the case as as I was getting closer and closer into my second week, the physical bullying started and it just one particular day. I was on the phone talking to my mother during a lunch break, you know, just letting her know how things were going after starting school. Things were still fresh. And um, before I knew it, there was two lads up behind me. They caught me, pinned me against the wall, took my phone out of my hand, and there was a hand around my neck choking me, you know, just taunting me, saying, who are you on the phone to? Calling me all sorts of things, buck teeth, faggot, you know, just really trying to, like, get under your skin and just whatever they could do and it felt like hours but it was only probably about a minute or so but it was just when you're in that moment you're in complete fear you just become paralyzed and you don't know what to do and I was mindful that the call was still connected with my mother and she was hearing what was going on because in my head I didn't want her to know what was going on and but thankfully the call did disconnect and it was just when I eventually got out of the situation I, I went to a quiet place and phoned her back. So but that was you one didn't, of the first scenarios. Yeah, and you didn't tell her what happened. And then there was a there was a second incident that was much more serious. Yeah, so this happened a few days afterwards and I was making my way to a class and now it's because it's an old style building, they would have a set of double doors on each corridor going to the classes. So it wasn't, you know, uncommon for kids to be hanging around, you know, uh, and all that like. So but they were hanging around the stairwell and, and at the beginning of these corridors and uh, another set of bullies that were there, they were just standing there. And every time I tried to get through these double doors, they kept pushing me back, you know, saying, you know, you require money to pass through these doors. 
and all this kind of stuff. So I eventually kept trying to get through the doors and just said nothing and kept, you know, but all of a sudden they just pulled the bag off my shoulder, pulled my polo shirt up over my head and pushed me down the flight of stairs that I had just come up and it was hardcore floor. And so when I eventually landed down, I just realized that my elbow to my wrist was like pumping with blood. And when I looked up at them, I was in complete shock, but I could just see them laughing. And I just eventually just went down, to, back down to the office and went to get help. You know, I, I, I just knew, but I was, I was roared and crying. I was, I was shaking. I, I, I knew where I was, but I didn't know where I was, if that makes sense. But I, again, I just, you didn't, you didn't say to anyone at the school at that point in time what had happened. No, when I got to the office, I was asked, you know, what had happened, of course, but I said I tripped and fell down the stairs. I covered it up and my parents were sent for and my mum collected me and and that was it for a few days. And I just I, I in that few days that I had off afterwards, I took the time to recover. But to be honest with you, Patricia, I just remember like being up late and early and reliving, you know, what actually happened. I was here in the the name calling, I was reliving the in my dreams, I was having nightmares about going to school, of it getting worse, you know, and it, it was just a constant version of PTSD, which I didn't yeah. know what that was it, it, at the time. It, it absolutely was. So, you, so the, you didn't go back to school? No, I never did. I did try to go back a few days after that, but I basically broke down when I was going into the school and I had a massive panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I was just feeling... You know, I, I was completely upset and I was trying to make sense. So it all eventually came out to my mother because she did accompany me after a while to back to the school. Uh, you know, I, I think they suspected something was wrong, but they didn't know what it was. But they just thought that I was still nervous of starting a brand new school. So I, when I eventually said it, then action was taken towards the school. And uh, basically it was just a series of three meetings. And in one of the meetings, I was told by the principal that, look, we will give them. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Detention and we will expel them for a day or two, but it is the consequences of a first year student where you're prone to a first year beating. And and that's all that happened. So so d- d- they they didn't get permanently expelled from school. From I mean, towing a young lad down a flight of stairs, you could have broken your neck. Exactly. Yeah. It's you know it it, it was it was literally abused like and it was it was it, it was assault. That was assault. Assault. Yeah. 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 That's the word I was and looking for. The, Thank and you. And then <laughs> the and then the effect that it had was. You you then remained at home for the duration of secondary school, and and I know you had um, home tuition. And did did you ever go on to do state exams, Chris? No, um, with the tuition, it ran out after a certain period of time, so the government cut it, and they said, look, that you know you should be in school. And I had pressures from the the head of Department of Education for Galway. He was coming out to my house every week. You know, the school was in touch saying, you know, when is he coming back and stuff. But every time I tried to go back, Patricia, they weren't understanding what I had been through and what and I wasn't ready to go back because I, I was in complete fear. I couldn't be around groups of people or kids that were maybe three or four people or more because I'd be looking for any nearest exit that I could find in whatever situation in the case that I would become a target again. That's the I, effect. I, I mean, that, that's the effect that bullying can have. Yeah, and and that's why I never went back because it, it got to the point where I was even on the brink of suicide. I I just couldn't take it. I was encouraged, you know, to go for walks and throw myself into my hobbies and you know make sure that you know I don't let what happened affect me. But that was easier said than done when you're. When you're just really ter- when you're thirteen, turning fourteen, you know. I know, I know. But you're now speaking to us as a wonderful, young, confident young man who who's a great advocate on behalf of of bullying. How did you turn your life around, Chris? Well, I threw myself into my hobbies as I was told to do. So you know, just when days were dark, I'd go for walks and get out for a bit of exercise. You know, and. I'd always have the TV on and the radio was always on in our house too. So I'd always be just listening to, you know, in, to stations and, and people like yourself chatting to people. And I just thought, well, that's a great um, job. And I, I would love to do that because I am a people person. I love talking to people. I love engaging. And I at that moment in time, it was hidden and it was, it was buried because of what had happened. So I had to rebuild myself up. And to go forward, I just kept listening to music. I found music a great escape, uh, you know, especially while walking. And I, I, I turned, you know, my playlist into like a soundtrack of hope, which was one of the things, you know. Now, in all this, I was still seeing um, a teen psychologist and I would go back to my doctor regular because I, I was depressed. I was anxious. There was a lot going on. And as, as, as things progressed and as I was getting slightly older, that... I, I was put in touch with services here called Galway City Partnership a, and within the partnership they have a youth advocacy service and they would help me like use whatever hobbies I had to try and do like a job or or just get me something uh, get me involved in the community in any way so I was fond of photography I would go off taking photographs on my walks and all that and I'd come back and I would edit and there'd be times where I'd try and further educate myself at home because I was in that like limbo land of those few years where I should have been sitting my junior cert a year or two later and then I should have been going for leaving cert. But with all that not on the table anymore, this is what I had to do. So 
thankfully, you know, I, I started building myself back up my confidence by going into community centres, taking photos, meeting people there and slowly coming back around to being myself. And and, and your, break, my, your break into radio. Do you remember your first time on radio? I do. I was nervous as hell. <laughs> I, I was there and I was looking at the desk and I like, oh, my God, it looked like something from Star Trek. It was unreal. But when I got in there and sat down, I just knew that you know, that was my home and this was what broadcasting is the field that I wanted to be in. Well done. Well and done. I've, and I've, you've, and you, just your credit to yourself as well, because I know you said you've had support and I know you've got a wonderful family uh, behind you and, and you did reach out to uh, to experts but a, a lot of what you're talking about you absolutely did uh, yourself a lot of people are asking a question that I was planning on asking Chris have you ever since met the bullies the people who made your life I've, hell I've met them in an incident afterwards we were actually on a bus this this might have been a couple of months down the line a few years ago and this was the one of the first times I'd met them and they didn't know my parents was on the bus behind me uh, and they just came up to the window and they started banging and they were making gestures by putting you know like their forefinger across their throat saying I'm going to get you and kill you and all this because I had told on them and I you know they they were caught out on it but but afterwards I didn't see them for a good few years but I happened to have saw I've seen one of them not so long back, and I've been told by a few people that I know that that particular person is in and out of jail a lot for theft and for drugs and all that. So it goes to show you the life that they a, went on to live. Whatever about yeah. the other bullies, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I didn't know them, and yeah, I didn't yeah, want well, to you know were just, them. Yeah, you just, yeah, cause, well, they say sometimes bullies, usually they've been bullied themselves at home or their background, but that can't, that, uh, it, that can't be the case for, for everyone. But you would just wonder, I mean, you're talking about young lads who'd be, what, five years older than you, wouldn't they have been when you were, if you were in first year and they were in senior, they were they were leaving Sir Class, were they? Yeah, they yeah. were between junior cert and leaving cert. Yeah, yeah so I, I never so knew they're, exactly they're, what they're, class. They're what? They're well in their twenty. They're in their late twenties now. You just wonder, would they be embarrassed to hear the effect of what you know wh- what they did? What they saw was a bit of fun, even though I keep saying throwing somebody down the stairs could have killed you. But I wonder, do, do they realise the effect that that had on your life? I don't think they did, you see, because it's all about in the moment and that five seconds of fame. Like even afterwards, you know, like the like the, they have nothing to really gain other than that few minutes of fame. And like going forward, they that's going to be forgotten about because there's going to be something else that they're going to be adding on to keep in the limelight. So, you know, meanwhile, they're doing that. They're putting everyone's life at risk, not just for being, you know, killed, but they're they're making people's nerves shattered. You they're know, destroying. They're, they're destroying people. Like Do you believe times have changed and that your bullying experience would be dealt with differently today? I would like to believe so, Patricia, to be honest with you. I think things have gotten a lot better. There's a lot more stuff in place in schools, but we're nowhere near anywhere great, to be honest with you, because the... I've heard loads of stories. I've been doing school talks from all this, and I just can't believe the stories that I'm still hearing. And it's even happening worse now because of social media. Social media is 24-7. When I was in school, this was back in the mid-noughties, and I had no social media, so I was being bullied just within school hours, as if that's not bad enough. It's on social media now. And again, it's like, nasty comments stay there and until they get removed and there's a process for that 
So and t- I know teachers and parents, they're trying to, you know, monitor all this, but it can reflect in school life and it can it can come from social media into schools. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be in place. And even in schools, someone needs to be responsible for keeping track of all kids well-being more so you know they need to make someone responsible where they, they can go to them so someone that's been bullied say look i'm being bullied uh i know it takes a lot of courage and, and a lot of strength to do that because i i didn't want to make things more worse for me in the moment i know i know and then there's also there's also then in your head that you don't want to disappoint your parent your parents you know so like i i was worried about you know being a failure to them so You've all this going on in your head and you're trying to be impressionable to other kids and you just don't know where to go. You feel backed into a corner with everything, not just with the bullies. So like that, that that's why small strategies can be put in place within schools. I've been saying this for a while and I'm going to keep saying it until it's implemented in the schools. Is have a comment box and every classroom, every day it gets checked and at least the head teacher can realise that something's going on. Now, if the person can't say it to begin with, they can say, look, I'm being bullied. Can you please address the situation and, and talk to the class? And at least then if something's starting to show that, you know, that the bullies might back down. But if not, you know, you have to report. Yeah, it and, 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 to... and I think having spoken with other people who were bullied, to, you know, throughout their lives at, at school, all of them, there would be like a common thread running through all of them. The need to be believed that not, they were not always believed. It's almost like, oh, it's in your mind or you're exaggerating. We need to believe children when they when they are talking about being bullied. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. And an investigation needs to be put in. That's why if there's someone there that's ahead of all this, whether it's a teacher that's a year ahead or whatever staff member. And remember, this just doesn't happen in schools. This happens in the workplace, relationships. Now, relationships are more complicated. You'd have to talk to someone outside, you know, a family member or a doctor or um, anyone in a professional matter. But all I can say is, you know, someone has to be responsible in the workplace and in schools that you can go to them and say, look, this is happening. Can you investigate? And yeah. I, I'd like this to stop. Yeah, you know, 100%. 100%. Listen, you're a credit to yourself and you certainly your family can be very, very proud of you, uh, Chris. Once again, it was a real pleasure talking to you and no doubt we'll speak again. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Patricia, for having me as always. And can I just quickly say that there is a website called tacklebullion.ie if anyone wants to look up more information on that. And if they would like to read my story and the coping mechanisms in the book series, as you mentioned there on the intro, Patricia, it can be got on bookhubpublishing.com and it's Mental Health for Millennials, volumes one to six, whichever volume you want to get. It's a great book series. It is indeed. Good luck with it, Chris. Thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. All the best. Good morning. Good morning. And I can see lots of comments coming in for Chris. Oh, my God, that poor man. What he suffered at the hands of those bullies. I hope they're listening. I'm so mad at that school. All children should be told about bullying in every class at school and at home. What a great young man for speaking out. Somebody else says, I'm in tears here listening to the story about bullying. My son went through similar stuff in first year. He is in sixth year now. We are glad of the we were glad of the break during COVID. Only one teacher 
teacher helped out. It was not the principal, by the way. Best of luck to that young man, uh, Chris. And somebody else says there's a lot of bullying going on everywhere. They're all so sneaky and the way they cover up, it's terrible. A proper leader is needed to stop this. OK, that's just some of the comments uh, coming in. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. But abandoned Garda station for this week's Garda Fire. I'm joined by Garda Francis Murphy. Good morning to you, Francis. Good morning, Mr. Uh, and you're very welcome. Now, we are starting with two burglaries, the first of which was in the Ballydehob area. That's right. Uh, the first one there, Patricia, took place in the Ballydehob area around between the 12th and the 15th of this month. Um, an unusual kind of one. There was a quantity of cattle stolen from somebody's shed. Um, eight cattle in total were taken. So, you know, whoever did this had to have transport, obviously. Um, we're appealing to any members of the public that have any information or, you know, something might come back to their memory if they'd seen anyone around the place that was acting suspicious. Mm. You know, just to give us a shout there to the Guardian Bantry are investigating it. Okay, and the second burglary then was in Bohorbui. Yeah, again, this occurred during the day at around 3.30pm. There was a shed broken into down in Bohorbui and there was a tractor lawnmower removed without permission. Um, Now, the property was recovered, so they may have been disturbed. You know, that's what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, The shed door was forced open um, and they took the opportunity to, to remove this item. Okay, again, we're looking at, uh, even though it's sheds, there are outside sheds, we need to try and put as as good a security as you can, particularly if you've got anything of value in any of those uh, sheds. I mean, those tractor lawnmowers, they're worth a lot of money. They are worth a lot of money. And again, I suppose, look, we, I can't say how important it is to, you know, be secure, lock your gates, lock your sheds, you know, install sensor lights, maybe put up CCTV. All these add up to deter people from taking the opportunity when okay. they yeah, they, they want to get in and out as quickly as possible so anything you can do to, to, to delay it now siphoning of diesel yes Patricia this is an ongoing thing I suppose it has quietened in previous times but only this morning now I got a report of an incident in the Bandon area last night um, there was a truck parked up between 7pm last night and 7am this morning um, when they arrived at the truck this morning, they noticed that the diesel cap had been broken off and all the diesel had been stifled out of the tank. Oh, my goodness. Because I, I know Sergeant John Kelly, based in Formoy, is, you know, often warning people, to, you know, when this occurs, not to leave, you know, full tanks of, of petrol or diesel. But if you're leaving early in the morning and you might be able to find a garage open, some people do fill up the night before. And then, of course, if petrol diesel gets siphoned you're going to lose a larger amount yeah um look i suppose the cost of fuel is increasing so this is going to maybe encourage more people to take part in this kind of crime so again look it's not always possible i know but if people can park in a lit up area possibly where there is cctv you know in this case now it was out in a rural area um which happens look people can't always park in a built up area but you know it's an expense now to the company having to replace the diesel cap and also the, yeah. the cost of the fuel. And, and park away as close to a wall as you can to try and you know act as a deterrent for them to get access. 
to the diesel cab. Yeah, that's true. If you park right up as close to the wall, that's not to give them the room that they need yeah. to do what they have to do. OK, now, good news story. The National Garda Youth Awards, they were held recently and you had two West Cork winners. Yes, brilliant celebrations for the young people. Um, the National Youth Awards were recently held in Leash, and it was great. We had two West Cork winners this year, which was brilliant. Gary Kelleher from Bandon won a special achievement award. And then we had the group of the Traveller Girls from West Cork Traveller Centre in Clonakilty. Um, it's a, a film project. Mm. So they won a group award. Well done. Well done. Congratulations. And just advice on um, an, um, an up, some upcoming events, the Clonakilty's Waterfront Marathon. Yeah, this is a big event, Patricia, that takes place in Clonakilty every year. Um, it's the Waterfront Marathon. So it's taking place this Saturday, the 26th of November. It's hugely supported. Uh, people come from all over the country and further afield. Um, there's approximately about 2,100 participants this year. So there will be restrictions in place in the towns and surrounding areas. This will probably be put in place around 9 a.m. in the morning. Um, there's loads of stewards volunteering at points and extra guardian on duty. So we're just... I suppose asking members of the public and residents to be patient with any delays and, you know, just to cooperate with the stewards. They're doing this voluntarily and the Gardaí will also be on traffic duty. It's just to make sure that everyone is kept safe. There's a 10k of um, half marathon and marathon, so there will be different routes. There will be stewards at all points. And the most important thing, I suppose, is just to make sure that everyone is safe and that the day is enjoyed for everyone. Absolutely. Good luck to everybody taking part. And then, as we know, this year, it's a uh, big celebrations going on because it's 100 years of the setting up of Angarda Siakona and various Garda stations have been having their own sort of little events. And it's the turn of Clonakilty that is on Sunday. Sunday coming the 27th of November, Clonakilty Gardaí. Yeah, they're celebrating their 100 years of Angarda Siakona. Um, it'll be a great day. Hopefully the weather will hold out. Celebrations are starting at 1pm. Um, there will be the unveiling of a plaque in the Garda station. I suppose traditionally known as the, the barracks mm. by Cork County Mayor. Uh, the Garda bands will be in attendance, so it should be a good day. Um, once the unveiling of the plaque and a few speeches are done, it will be followed by um, a ceremonial march to the Church of the Immaculate Conception, Clannacilty. And there'll be an ecumenical uh, service will be held there at two o'clock. So in this parade, we will have serving members taking part and retiring members. Okay. And, Which will be and, a good day. And uh, people can go along to that ecumenical service uh, as well if they're free on uh, Sunday. And yesterday, of course, was a special day for young people. The junior start results were out. Yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to mention there, um, just well done to everyone that got their junior start results yesterday. They had a night celebrating and everything went well and Good. just best of luck to them all. And they, and they had a long wait as well, God help them, of, of, of any other year. Listen, Francis, pleasure as always. Thank you for that and we'll speak again in the coming weeks. Okay, thank thanks you Thanks a million. Patricia. Bye-bye. That Take is care. Garda. Francis Murphy, who is based at Bandon Garda Station. 0818-103-103. We have uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joining us in the next hour. If you've got a pet question for Jane, you can get it in. We also have Panto tickets to give away. We'll do that after news at 12. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. If you have pet questions for Jane, you can get them in by phone now to 0818 103 103. But hold off texting or WhatsApping a pet question because I don't want it to get lost in the middle of all of our pantomime competition entries because today another chance for you to win the everyone's favourite traditional family panto is returning it is Cinderella this year and it opens on Saturday the 3rd of December but the guys and gals of the everyman have given us tickets to get you there on Thursday the 8th of December so that's what two weeks today um, for the and the fun doesn't stop there because you, we, we winners will also receive a family of four pass for bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street every day this week I have been giving you clues to where Cinderella has left her slipper and you have to guess the Cork location. Uh, So what is today's clue? Now, although this historical landmark is named after a North Cork town, it's actually located just over the border near Burncourt in County Tipperary. So Cinderella and her glass slipper has just gone over the border today, but the title, the of where she has left her glass slipper is very, very much a Cork town. So, where has Cinderella left her glass slipper today? Historical landmark named after North Cork town, but it's actually located just over the border near Burncourt, Burncourt, County Tipperary. She's gone underground is another clue for you where Cinderella has left her glass slipper today. OK, I need you to text the answer along with your name and address. Get texting now, please. 86 to 103 103 and you can either send it by traditional text message or if you want to use the WhatsApp uh, as well but get texting or WhatsApping and let me check the clock 10 minutes on this and then we will select our winner today historical landmark named after North Cork town just over the border near Burn Court in County Tipperary Cinderella gone underground. Where has she left her glass slipper today? Can you get working on that one, please? In the meantime, let's let, let us catch up with some of your calls and comments and different bits and bobs that have been coming in throughout the morning. Still getting reaction to uh, young Chris Sherlock, that uh, gentle young man who from Galway who spoke to us about his life at the hands of bullies and how it absolutely destroyed. Well, he, lo- he lost his education. Let's call a spade a spade. He was... After about a month in first year, he pulled out of school. He never went back to school after that. He got home tuition for a period of time, but then there was cutbacks and that got uh, withdrawn. So he's done remarkably well for himself and he's he's working away life as a, as a broadcaster in Galway. And, and he's also a great advocate for bullying and he gives talks in schools, etc. But he really, you know, showing how by working on himself and he had to do a, a huge amount of work on himself to get over the effects of the bullying which he likened to post-traumatic stress disorder the effects of it was so bad so never take away from the effects that bullying can have on a young person Hi Patricia surely the teachers should be watching out for this type of bullying especially when the first years are starting these bullies act like saints in front of the teachers maybe some of them could be teachers children's themselves it was just so sad listening to that young man share his uh, story says Teresa yeah and he said that when his he finally opened up to his parents to say what was going on and they went into the school 
and the, the principal of the school actually said, oh, well, you know, that happens. It's first years. It's known as the first year beating by the older boys. And it's, you know, was almost trying to make light of it, which was just just incredible. And Anne says, oh, Patricia, that poor man, what he went through, I feel so sorry for him. For, for him. But isn't it great to hear him speak about it now? What a wonderful young man he's grown up to be. I had a similar problem with my own son. Again, it was when he started secondary school. But I didn't go into the school as I knew and was fearful it might actually make the bullying wor- worse. So I gave him advice on what to do, particularly with the leader of the bullies. And he never again had any problems. So Anne doesn't say what was the advice was, but I, I'm assuming it was to stand up to the bully. And it obviously worked. Uh, but it takes a very, very brave young boy or girl to stand up to a bully. But uh, well done. It worked out in your case, certainly for your young son. And Sheila was on to us by text. Oh, this is to do with Donal. Remember Donal was on earlier saying if we could put a shout out, he's looking for a mannequin and he was wondering maybe a shop that had closed down or maybe a closed shop that just got some new mannequins or have an extra mannequin that they don't need. And he is looking for one. And they're not, it's not just something you can go off and, and buy yourself. So he was looking, looking for one. We didn't, by the way, I haven't heard from anyone who has a spare mannequin now I need to check in with John Paul maybe he got calls but certainly by text I haven't heard from anyone but Sheila has come on with a suggestion and he said like Donald from Mallow I was looking for a mannequin for ages in the end I just started going into old shops that were modernising or were being done up and I finally got one and I put her in an old bath with white flowers a shower cap and a glass of wine in hand she's by my front door as we speak and we call her Gloria <laughs> Uh, well done Sheila uh, and obviously people who know Sheila will know exactly who Gloria is and have spotted uh, Gloria so that's a suggestion for uh, Donal anytime he's passing a shop that looks like it's having some kind of a makeover maybe pop in and see that they might have an old one out in a uh, storeroom Hi Patricia I received I have received a number of emails saying I need to update my Yahoo email account they're asking me to click on a link it says I'll be locked out of the account if I don't do it has anybody else got this because I'm assuming it's a hoax see we're all so careful aren't we and so worried um, I got got that text in earlier and I checked I just did a quick Google search and I went on to Yahoo. Now they say that every now and again they will legitimately send something out to uh, people who have Yahoo email accounts but what they're very clear about is they will never ask you for personal information such as credit cards or they'll never ask you for your passwords in uh, an email however they do say from time to time they ask you to update for example your recovery information by signing in. What I would suggest you do is get on to Yahoo I mean, the the page I'm on here actually has a 24-7 live expert help uh, with all of your Yahoo needs. So I would check in with Yahoo themselves just to make absolutely sure. But in the meantime, we've given it we'll We've given it a mention to see, did anybody else, does anybody else have a Yahoo email account and have you recently been asked to update it? And, you know, I mean, just clicking on a link, I'm assuming you're OK. It's just don't pass on any information. Is That's the big, big problem. But I know people are just even nervous now, but even clicking on something like that. So check it out with Yahoo anybody else got a similar email would you please let us know I'm glad to give this a mention for Susan saying would you please let people know this morning that both nights of the candlelight Christmas concert in St James's Church in Mallow completely sold out it is every year they could fill that church I would say 10 times over 
with the amount of people that want to go along to it and anyone that has ever been to the candlelight Christmas concert at St James's Church in Mallow will talk about what a special special event it is I, I, do, I love the I think it's the acoustics isn't it inside in a church if you ever go to a concert inside in a church there's something really magical and special about it but I think at this time of year and when you light the church by candlelight and if there's Christmas carols I, I, I certainly know whenever I'm at mass and I haven't been to Midnight Mass in, in, a, in a long, long time. But when Midnight Mass used to be popular and the darkened church and the candles lighting and the singing of the hymns on for Midnight Mass always used to make me emotional. It's just, I don't know what it is. There's just there's something very magical, though, certainly about churches. That's why I love to see old churches getting, you know, the ones that are decommissioned rather than let them go into Rack and Loon. They have become some wonderful theatrical spaces and theatre spaces which is which is just fantastic 0818103103 now these were a couple of comments that came in that my apologies I didn't get to yesterday I mentioned yesterday that we got a reply from the Department of the Environment Climate and Communications because we'd queried how many delegates went to Egypt as part of COP27 and they came back to tell us that the Irish delegation consisted of 54 personnel and yesterday I took time listing all of the different people that went along with the Minister for the Environment and his two advisors and 11 other people went from his department and then there was lots of other departments that send representatives including the Taoiseach, Minister for Foreign Affairs, Finance, Health, Agriculture, Food and Marine and then the state bodies were recognised, people like the EPA sent delegates, Met Aaron sent delegates um, and Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland and anyway in total it was 54 personnel. Mary says Patricia I can't believe or I can't believe what I was hearing on your programme yesterday. 54 members from Ireland travelling to Egypt for COP27. A lot of carbon emissions from all the planes from all over the world also. What has happened to distancing conferencing via the internet? Then they wouldn't be able but to do that they wouldn't be able to feast like kings and queens at whose expense? Yes, the taxpayers of course. An echo from the past. Do people does, do people remember when the late Mr Charlie Hawhey was Taoiseach coming on the TV telling us all we needed to tighten our belts while the rest of us were choked with the rising cost of survival? We know what was happening in Charlie Hawhey's life. It's history repeating itself. It's disgusting. Who do they think they are? One advisor should be more than sufficient to travel with the minister. Why did he need to? Are our politicians incapable of thinking of knowing what is the correct course of action to take without referring straight away to one of their advisors? That's from Mary. And then uh, Anne-Marie says, Patricia, with regard to the Green Party, they have established positive aspirations at COP27 for sure. But words are cheap and action in terms of policy is the key to that end. As a party of government, the Greens need to review how the Irish state is reflecting their environmental aspirations. For example, the Green Party has told us that driving is not good for the environment because it impacts on climate change and that we should be taking public transport. If, however, you follow this environmental lifestyle and you use a bike or a bus instead of driving, you're immediately disqualified from applying to work in some administrative roles in local government here in Cork came as a surprise to me. This has been highlighted in a recent job description for a clerical officer which stated that driving is a mandatory condition for every candidate who wishes to be considered. Personally, I was astounded when I read it while at the same time hearing reports coming from COP27. In this day and age, surely making driving an essential skill 
for anyone applying to work in admin in local government goes against everything that we should be doing. As usual, there seems to be no joined up thinking. In my view, all parties of government should be focused on changing such contraindicated demands on potential candidates. The Irish state is either genuinely concerned about climate change or is just paying it lip service. What an authentic and hypocritical, hypocritical approach. Uh, we can't be both. Many thanks, Patricia. And that's from Anne-Marie. Well, well, two well put together um, messages in. As I say, apologies that I didn't get around to them yesterday. 0818103103. Our 10 minutes are up on our competition for the uh, Everyman. I, so you can stop texting us. We'll let John Paul select our winner for today. And then we'll clear the text message service so that we can make it available for questions and for Jane Pickett, our resident vet. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Anam Cara are offering a 30-minute webinar free of charge uh, tonight. For more information, you can call 085-2888. And Anam Cara, of course, offers services to bereaved parents. Bandon Grammar School are launching their updated cookbook, Food from the Heart. That's tonight at 7 and it's in the school's sports hall. Tomorrow, Friday, the Four Alls pub in Sam's Cross in Clonakilty. They're showing the Late Late Toy Show and the public are dressing up in Christmas PJs. It's all to raise money for Crumlin Children's Hospital. Sounds like a fun event. Kaylee sets in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tomorrow night. Music by Jur Murphy. Dancing from half nine to half twelve. Admission 10 euro, which does include teas. The Upper Glanmire Community Association are hosting William Mwainley in concert. Local Community Centre tomorrow night at 8. Tickets are €20. Euro. Bandon and Dist- District Chiroptimists are hosting a gramophone evening tomorrow night at 8. That's in the Bandon Golf Club. Admission is €10 euro and proceeds are in aid of Bandon children. Bingo is on in Mallow in the GAA complex tomorrow night at 8.15. Also bingo on in the old Creamery Horn in Kildallery. They've got an 8 o'clock start. And Grow Remote West Cork are inviting you to join them tomorrow to hear what local towns are offering for the festive season. It includes events and promotions and you can come along in person to their premises at Ludgate and Skibbereen anytime from 10am tomorrow morning or join them online. Just search Eventbrite. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie And you can start uh, texting if you've got a pet question for Jane 86 and just looking at the latest uh, coming from uh, Ukraine my goodness uh, Kiev is really uh, getting struck hard I'm, I'm bearing because bearing in mind how cold the winters are in Ukraine and I know the death toll now from yesterday's wave of Russian missile uh, attacks against Ukraine has written to 10 uh, but there's 70% of Kiev are now without power today and the Ukrainian energy system has been left in tatters millions have been subjected to long periods without uh, electricity or heating after weeks of Russian bombardments the World uh, Health Organization are now warning that the country's priority this winter is simply going to be uh, survival 
Uh, it really is shocking what is happening there and from our end here at home with the amount of Ukrainians that have come fledged to this country. I see this morning that the Minister for Integration has said the government is launching what's now, this is a new call for unoccupied homes to accommodate those fleeing the war. Rodrigo Gorman was speaking earlier. He says these are unoccupied homes, apartments, holiday homes in particular they're putting a shout out for. They're asking people to consider pledging them for an initial six months period. It's a new initiative. It's going to be led by local authorities, but they're now appealing to the owners of unoccupied uh, properties. The local authorities will liaise with owners to access the suitability for the property. A total number of people fleeing the war in Ukraine that have arrived in Ireland, 46,000 have been housed by the state and by citizens. They were the latest figures to come from the Central Statistics Office. And property owners can offer homes at offerahome.com or if you contact the local authority in which the property is located. Rodrigo Gorman, the minister, said anyone who offers a home will get a recognition payment of €800 a month and that's €800 a month tax-free. And uh, they are hoping that more people will come forward with uh, homes. Over 5,500 people are in pledged accommodation already, but they reckon that there are more homes out there that are empty at the moment and people might be willing to offer them up, as I say, initially on a six-month contract. So if you have a vacant property, offerahome.ie or contact your local uh, authority because you just, with what's going on in Ukraine at the moment and as they head into, you know, they get like minus 20 degrees. Can you imagine that? And to be surviving without electricity, without water, without heat. You're going, what's going to happen is more and more people, people who have held out, people who have stayed in Ukraine and decided, no, they weren't going to leave. You'll find some of them will, will literally get into the situation where they feel they'll have no other choice but to flee. So could we end up with more people here in this country? It is very, very possible. OK, let me see. Have we are? Uh, we know we do. OK, the competition for Panto. What did I ask you? Actually, I can see there was a, there was some wrong answers, a lot of right ones, but some wrong ones. Uh, although this historical landmark is named after North Cork town, it's actually located just across the, uh, the border in County Tipperary. Mitchellstown Caves was where we were talking about the Mitchellstown uh, Caves. Uh, a couple of people thought I was talking about the Rocket Cashel, but I wasn't. I was talking about the Mitchellstown Caves. Our winner today is Rachel Kyoham of Lizavard near Clonakilty. Congratulations, Rachel Kyoham, who has won for herself a family of four past Cinderella at the Everyman Thursday, the 8th of December and a family of four past for bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street. You can see everymancork.com for more details. And we have one more uh, winner to look for tomorrow on the programme and again we'll do a similar thing I will give you the clue and you've got to try and work out where Cinderella has left her slipper tomorrow and yesterday we had some great fun when we were reminiscing about the Green Shield stamps and I got stopped at least three times yesterday afternoon of people who said that they were listening and what happy memories it all brought back and yesterday in the midst of people remembering items that they had purchased not that you don't purchase items that they'd saved for through the Green Shield stamps I was blown away by the amount of people 
people who still have a working item in their home that they got through the Green Shield stamps, bearing in mind that the Green Shield stamps were popular in the 60s and in the 70s. Somebody thought they were there in the 80s, but they weren't. They, they stopped. So I think it was in the late uh, 70s. But then it was Michael in West Cork says he remembered with the Green Shield stamps you could buy a car. You could, or not buy, you could save for a car. And it was said, how many books would you need to save for a car? If yesterday I quoted, you needed two and a half books for a plastic dustbin and brush. Stick out how many books would you need for a car? Well, somebody sent me on a link to a Green Shield stamp book. Now, this one was from the 60s, the one that I was referring to yesterday, the Irish one that was from 1976. So this would have been 10 years prior to that, somewhere in the mid 60s. And it was a book that turned up because remember, it was in the UK as well. It was in Wales. And in that particular book, there was a car and it was a Ford Escort car. And when I checked it out back in the mid 60s, you had to save 950 books in order to get the Ford Escort. But seemingly in Ireland as well, I don't know if anybody did. To be interested to find out, did anybody ever manage to save and get enough of the stamps in order to purchase or not to keep saying purchase in order to, to claim our car back? But thank you. Thank you to everybody who contacted us yesterday. We certainly had a bit of fun uh, with it. Congra- can I just offer congratulations to uh, John Creedon? We've spoken with John many, many times on the programme. Well known RTE broadcaster. He picked up the best Irish published book of the year yesterday. Yesterday evening was the Unpost Irish Post Post Awards for 2022 and John Creedon for his An Irish Folklore Treasury. He picked up Best Irish Published Book of the Year and that book you could only describe it as a treasure. So I wasn't a bit surprised to see that John picked that up. Well done uh, to you. And actually Crime Fiction Book of the Year was Breaking Point by Adele uh, Coffey and Adele Coffey is a columnist with the Irish Examiner and would you believe on the front page of the Irish Examiner today is Adele and John Creedon at the Unpost Book Awards. So congratulations to them both. And another one I was thrilled to hear about was the biography of the year. And that has gone to Time and Tide by Charlie Bird with um, Ray Burke. So well done to uh, Charlie Bird as well. And also just on just staying, like to share as much good news as I can. Spotted this in the examiner today. Parents of 11 West Cork school children who had been unable to get tickets to get onto their local school bus are finally celebrating with the news that Bus Aaron has finally agreed to provide an extra bus for the area. It's children from the Rossmore and Kilmean areas that's near Clonakilty. They've been without bus tickets since the beginning of the school term, meaning the parents have had to drive them up to an hour a day to get to school. So that was all of September all of October and now all of November. The parents have been campaigning, obviously, for extra bus tickets to allow all of the children from the area who wanted a place on the bus to avail of it. The Irish Examiner got onto Bus Aaron and uh, following inquiries from the Examiner, Bus Aaron said that they would like to acknowledge the unprecedented demand for the school transport system this year. They say Bus Aaron's school transport offices across Ireland have now issued over 127,000 tickets for school transport to date and that's up 20% on the same period last year. But of course the difference this year was the bus was free. So more people applied for a seat on the bus. Anyway, the statement from Bus Aaron says I can confirm that an extra bus has now been allocated for the pupils in the Rossmore Kilmean area of West Cork. Families will be notified by email in the coming days and the service will commence on Monday. 
of next week, the 28th of November. All pupils in the Rossmore Kilmeen area, they say now, will be allocated a seat on the new service. That certainly is good news for that group of students. I don't know what's been happening in other areas because certainly in September and certainly into October, we were hearing from parents going to huge lengths to drop children to school. I mean, we even had a couple of boys who were driving daddy's tractor to and from school at one stage. So I don't know if other areas have been sorted out as well, but certainly it is a big bit of good news, even if it's come three months later. If there's the first three months down in school before they're finally going to get on the bus. But tying that in was when we were talking about climate change in COP27 and we're all being told you know, to get on your bike or to use public uh, transport. The amount of carbon emissions coming from all of those parents' cars driving them to and from school when, when you'd have the carbon emissions from one bus taking them all. It just it's never made any sense to me at all. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. We are looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is joining us. You can text or WhatsApp in a pet question now. 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Mill Street, part of uh, Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Group, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. I was thinking of you this morning when I spotted a piece in some of the papers and it is the latest Guinness World Record cat. Have you seen this, The Age of a Cat? I haven't, no. No, it's Flossie. She's uh, currently living in South East London. She's been crowned the world oldest cat weeks away from turning 27. Now, I'm told that's wow. the human equivalent of being over 120 years of age. Now, she, she's an interesting backstory in that. And they, by the way, it's vet records showing that she was born in 1995. So it is, it is genuine. As a kitten, Flossie was found straying near a Merseyside hospital and a worker there took her home. And she lived with that family for 24 years. Now, Unfortunately, the owners passed away and then the Cats Protection League, they took over and they handed her to a new owner and she's been living with her new owner since. And the new owner said she always knew that she was a special cat, but she didn't imagine she'd be sharing her home with the Guinness World Record holder. She's deaf, she's got failing eyesight, but none of that seems to bother her. She's completely with it, loves affection and she's a good appetite and she's 27. Isn't that incredible? That is absolutely incredible to live to to twenty seven with what sounds like a really good quality of life is is quite astonishing. I've never, certainly never come across across a cat as old as that. I think the oldest I've come across personally in clinics is twenty one, and and that was that was quite a special occasion for me to meet a golden oldie of that age. So twenty seven is really remarkable. So yeah, but it, it does show when they're well looked after and well loved. Yes, they can they can go for for many years. And I think that's the thing. Keeping on top of their health long term will help them to lead a, a long and happy life. And I think in our golden oldies, it's making sure that their quality of life is good because our dogs and cats, they don't really understand quantity of life, but they understand what they feel day to day. So we really have to prioritize their quality of life and making them feel well in the moment as they get into their older years. But yeah. it's really, really remarkable to hit 27. Yeah, it's terrific. It's terrific. OK, straight into questions. John in Fairhill has a palm and he says the minute I pick up the keys she starts barking mad would Jane have any explanation as to why she does this 
Mm, it may be that she's anticipating going out and about. So dogs and cats are really, really good at pattern recognition. Um, so for them, they may pick up subtle signs um, that kind of pre-warn them of things that are going to happen, whether it be that they're about to get fed or they're about to go for walkies outside or they're about to go to the vet is one I find they're particularly good at picking up on the subtle signs of. Uh, but I would suspect that I'm kind of going absolutely kind of bonkers when we see the keys being picked up and doing lots of barking. Maybe excitement, because if you pick up your keys to, before you go out of the house to take your dog for a walk, they may be anticipating that you're going to pick up the lead next and pop that on them for walkies and they're excited to go out and about. Now, it could be that, you know, you pick up your keys several times a day. You might be picking up your keys to, to go out and leave them in the house whilst you're at work. So part of it could be anxiety. They might, um, if, if let's say they are an anxious pet and if they don't like being left alone, they might see you picking up your keys to go and leave the house as, you know, well, they're going to be left alone and they're a little bit anxious about that. So try and interpret, is there a certain pattern to when you pick the keys up? Is there certain times where they'll um, get very upset or is there certain times where you pick the keys up and they take no notice? And just have a little think about what you're about to do around that time because dogs are very, very good at picking up on the patterns. So it may be excitement or it may be anxiety. Uh, if it's excitement, then that doesn't sound like a, a totally unhealthy thing. It might just be excited to go for walkies and that's fine. If it's a bit of anxiety, it may be worth considering, well, is there anything I can do to, to make my dog stay whilst I'm outside or out of the house without them and they're left behind if that's what the, the situation is for you? Is there anything I can do to make that um, transition to that you leaving the house a little bit less anxious? And sometimes a little bit of distraction with the treat or um, let's say a stuffed rubber toy with a little bit of food in it called a Kong that can really help to settle the anxiety um, and maybe might might stop them going quite as 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 barky when you pick up the keys if, if it's something you don't desire to happen. OK, and in Douglas has a one year old Maltese. It's a rehomed dog. Uh, she's finding him very difficult to feed. He simply refuses to eat any kind of dog nuts. Uh, would you have any suggestions? She's taken him to the, the vet. He's perfect, very healthy dog. Uh, but just she's trying to get him to eat dog nuts and he, he just won't touch them. OK, well, first and foremost, well done, well done for taking on this little dog. And I'm sure he's found a lovely home with yourself and also well done for visiting the vet. That would always be my first suggestion if a pet is kind of refusing the food that they're offered is, you know, is there something wrong with them out? Are they uncomfortable? Do they have dental pain? But as you've been to the vet, they've given them a clean bill of health. It's safe to say that that's not the case by the sound of it. It may be that your pet might just be extremely picky. Um, it might be that they don't like the particular type of dog nut that you've offered them. So it may be worth trying to change to another type of nut or another size. So sometimes um, sometimes it can be the flavour. So maybe trying a different type of flavour might be more to your dog's preference. Or sometimes it can even be kind of the texture and size of the nut can make a big difference. So lots of brands of nuts will have size of, sizes of their kibble from very, very small to very, very big and crunchy. And it's important to try and line that up with the size of your dog. As a Maltese, they'd be considered a small breed so it may be worth looking for a small breed dog nut okay um as always i'd recommend a good quality complete diet for your pet and that usually comes in the form of kind of commercially available good quality pet food my preference is for nuts over soft food but that said some dogs will eat soft food better now I would say try and stick to the nuts for the meantime and try and maybe try try a different brand, try a different flavour, try a different size nut, as we've suggested, um, and see if any of that settles things down. I The one word of warning I'd have is try not to give in to the temptation to give them tidbits from the table. 
or human food because once they start getting a taste for that they will dig their heels in and hold out until you give them something off the table they'll turn their nose up at any food you offer them in a dog bowl and they'll be waiting for the really really tasty stuff but the sad thing is the really really tasty stuff the human food is actually really high calorie relative to their body size so a lot of the time if they're fed human food they, they gain quite a lot of weight and also it's not a complete diet if you think of you or i we have a, a range of different foods throughout our day and we can balance our diet and we also know when we're feeling well and when we're not feeling well and we can convey that whereas a dog doesn't have that luxury they can't tell us how well they're feeling on the diet they're eating. so it's really important to make sure that their balance their diet is balanced and that usually comes in the form of a, a complete nut rather than bits and pieces of human food so try and stick with it yeah. try your very best to stick with the dog food and try not to cave into giving human food if you can okay hi uh, jane i have a 10 year old dog who recently had to have an x-ray the x-ray noted spots on his lungs now he's not suffering anything no respiratory problems showing no signs of being unwell and i'm not taking it any further as i think it's unfair to put him through invasive procedures as a 10 year old dog but i'm just wondering could this just be a normal sighting in a 10 year old dog on an x-ray or would any kind of spots on a lung mean it's something more sinister what would you think okay okay so this is an interesting one the answer is difficult it's not exactly clear-cut i wish i could give you a lovely clear-cut answer um in this case there could be a number of things going on and i think your vet who's taken in the x-ray and has probably interpreted and discussed it with you initially is probably the best person to speak to now in an older dog you can get changes on the lungs that are age related so sometimes we can get a little bit of calcification and hardening of the airways and that can be relatively normal in older dogs. Now, there are other causes of spots on the lung and changes on the lung. For example, infection, inflammation, or I suppose, you know, worst case scenario, cancerous changes. Okay, so it's really important if you're uncertain of what your vet feels may be the issue or what they're suggesting as ongoing diagnostics. It might be worth having a second conversation with your vet just so that they can they can chat with you again. Now, what I will say is x-rays are great for showing us the lungs, but they don't give us all the answers. So it may be that your vet might have suggested doing further testing. And I can completely understand not wanting to go down the invasive route with your pet. But it might be worth just fully exploring that with your vet just so you're fully aware of what we, what we might know and what we might be missing if we don't go further with investigations. Just so you're aware of all of the facts. But unfortunately, I'd love to be able to give you a clear cut answer but spots on the lungs can be a number of things from from normal to very abnormal and okay. serious so I think have another chat with your vet Okay Dennis listening to us in Oxford in England says I've got a one year old Cocker Spaniel when he does his number twos his stool is normal at first but then about five minutes later the stool is quite runny that's been the case for about the last two weeks his diet hasn't changed in any way what else could be causing it? Okay, so if he's passing quite normal stools initially and they're followed up with a little bit of a softer one, and that's a change for him, um, as long as he's otherwise well in himself, um, you could leave it go another week and, and see. If he's otherwise well in himself and he's not got any, any let's say, blood in his stool, he's up to date on his worming treatments, for example, and he's otherwise really well and full of the joys of life, maybe, maybe give it another week and see if it settles. If it doesn't settle at that point, I'd say, well, it would be worth flagging it with your vet. It may be the case that they may need to take a stool sample sent off to the lab just to check that there's no parasites there or any of the more, let's say, unusual infections that can cause runny stool. Now, in 
most cases, if, if we have a little bit of a sloppy stool, but our pet is otherwise well and it passes off again and isn't a continuous ongoing problem, it's, it's not a particular cause for concern as long as it's temporary. But this is a change for your pet. And we always say that a change in your pet is an indication to take things further. Um, so I would say, you know, keep a close eye on it if it's not setting and then up the react. next week or so. All right. Yeah. OK, we leave, we leave it there. And actually, somebody in Mallow has a cat who's also 21. So well done. All right. <laughs> listen, thanks for that. We'll talk to you next week, Jane. Bye bye. That is bye uh, bye. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Soft Cell on C103 and that's a little bit of tainted love. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. And we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.